once I started putting myself out there, I started getting a lot of personal messages from people wanting to know if we were looking for uh, anybody that a role that they would fit into. So it's it's really easy to attract the right people lately. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. Glad to have you back. I've got a special guest today. He's a former police officer turned serial entrepreneur. He owns Roof Savers, Scoop of Sunshine, and he's the host of Avoid the Confusion podcast. Kenny's a leader, motivator, husband, father, and someone who genuinely wants to see people to see what's possible if they just apply themselves. Kenny, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Pleasure for just having an opportunity to come and talk with you again. You came on my show a few weeks back and uh, glad to return the favor. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. So we have, we'll get right into it. We have a lot of roofers who listen to this show. We have a lot Mm -hmm. of roofers in our network. And so I definitely want to tap into your experience there. You have sales advice for roofers right now. I know in general, in business, sales are down, right? Mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot of calls, getting a lot of prospects, you know, to, to help out with the sales piece of everything. What is working for you guys right now or how are y'all maintaining? So the thing that's still working best for us and has worked the best for us from the beginning has been our relationships, sort of referral partners, real estate agents, insurance agents, all of that type stuff. So from the beginning, instead of putting all of our focus on selling one job, we really focus on building relationships that, you know, people we can call referral partners. And that the work that we get from those referral partners in makes up a a large percentage of what we do so my the biggest advice i would have for somebody right now is just make sure you're putting the right messaging out about your brand and build relationships with people who can help you get at least more than one job per year that should be your primary focus yeah at the moment yeah i mean one when you think about it if you have 12 referral partners and you're getting you know one job a year from them that's 12 extra jobs a year Mm -hmm. i mean in your business that's like was that like 200k an extra income there? Absolutely. Yeah. It could be too so, Who is the best referral partner for your business? For us, it's been real estate agents. And the reason for us, so majority of our work is retail. We we do some insurance. We know insurance. We make sure we understand the process because we get hit with hurricanes or along the coast in Alabama. So anytime that happens, we have to be able to compete with everyone else. But for the most part, we don't storm chase. We stay right here local. And majority of our work is retail. And uh, I would say that before I miss this whole question, up, give it to me one more time because I was fixing to go off on a tangent. I don't believe it was the right one. Well, you were saying that uh, your real estate partners are the best partners. They're the ones they that are, give you the most and, business. Yeah. And, and what I was getting at with that is we also, being a retail company, we do a lot of repairs and maintenance. We have uh, a product we use for rejuvenating roofs, and that's a big part of what we do. So because of that, we've been able to build great relationships with real estate agents because 
I would say at least 80% of every real estate transaction has an issue with the roof. So if you get a product like a roof tune-up that's really good at saving those transactions for real estate agents, you may not make a lot of money today, but you do a lot of business with the same people over and over. And we've built our we we've sort of built a system now to where my wife Macy runs our office and it's nothing for her to get five or six emails a day from realtors and it's they're just forwarding us the roof inspection and right. saying how can you help us with that so we're basically just saying this is what you need to do this is how much it's going to cost and they don't mm -hmm. even question it anymore so a lot of that everyday sort of uh, redundant stuff business in maintains us. Yeah, it's not a brand new roof. It's not necessarily sexy, but it right. it absolutely keeps you all top of mind the yes. same way a CRM would, you know, That's except right. you're doing it, you're doing it in the business. And then every now and then, you know, the, it does need a roof replacement, right? And you get a full replacement, but for sure, for sure, being and willing then, to go, go out and do that, that I guess, uh, work that's not necessarily sexy kind of gives you that pipeline of constant referrals. Yes. And what we've, what we've also been able to do is keep our close rate really high, like in excess of 60%. And we do a lot of that by, if we go out to a house for someone who wants a new roof, but they don't technically need a new roof, we educate them on all their options. And every now and then they do go with a cheaper option, like maybe roof rejuvenation or something like that. But I know at the end of that five-year term, once that once that that's up, they're going to use us for the replacement because we've already saved them money. And then um, the same thing with that with that product, we're able to, like I said, some of them are do take the the lesser option, but some of them because you're given options, you're mm. way more trustworthy. They they now value what you have to say over your competition because I'm letting you know you don't need a new roof. This is a viable option. So if they decide they're better sort of better for their situation to get the new roof we have a 10 you know we sort of come across as being more trustworthy and uh we tend to sell because people like us they like the way we offer solutions instead of trying to push for a sale for one specific product if that makes sense yeah no it makes a ton of sense i had a prospect uh yesterday you know he was looking for a sales program overhaul and i kind of looked at what he had already and i was kind of impressed with it i was like man you come you're like 50% already done. You know, I would just fill in the rest of the 50%. And honestly, I feel like if I told you what to do, that you could knock it out. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't need necessarily have to build it for you. So with him, I just, I, I did one fifth of my normal fee. Cause I was like, I know that he can knock it out. I'm just going to be consulting him a true consultation, right? Where he goes and does the work. And so um, I think that's, that's those things that, in terms of referral partners and referrals in general, it's going to get you those type of things tenfold, right? For for sure. And then there's the part of it to where if I go out to look at a roof for someone and in in the rare instance that it doesn't need anything, I just say it doesn't need anything, that referral partner is now concrete. They're going to refer yeah. you for life because you didn't try to sell them anything. You you genuinely showed up with intent of of helping and giving an honest report even if it didn't make you any money absolutely i think uh those are the kind of transactions that well you what do you expect right you expect somebody to go on the roof and then give you a bit of like 20 grand with no explanation no itemization no mm -hmm. you know what i mean like 
no way for you to know that it's not just a random number. You know what I'm saying? And so you go from that to like, hey, here's a few options. You know, it's a, I'm sure it's refreshing for a lot of people. Okay, on the lead gen side, on the marketing side, what are you guys doing right now that's working really well for you? So leads are down across the board, I think, for everybody in this mm-hmm. industry. And uh, for us, like I said, the thing that's working the most for us every day is is the the old-fashioned boots on the ground sort of thing. We don't knock many doors, but as far okay. as attending chamber events, you know, BNI-style groups, networking, our butts off and and going we have a lot of you know apartment complexes and stuff like that checking in on those people and then something we do a little outside of the box too is a a lot of contractors don't do i have found is we'll take food to our suppliers we'll go in and bring them lunch and talk with them and sit down with them because people call those guys all the time looking for roofers and i want to be the one that they like the most that they refer the most so we get a lot of referrals From our suppliers and that type stuff and then because we're retail and we don't do a lot of insurance work we have i have a ton of insurance agents in my market that refer us like crazy and they know that they can send me out to do a honest inspection and if i don't if there's no wind or hail damage i just say there's no damage right. and uh most we don't try to push claims through and i'm not saying that anybody listening to this call does but we all know that there are those companies that exist and uh just by going out and giving an honest assessment a lot of times you you prove that you're trustworthy and so we our relationships more than anything that's where the bulk of our work comes from today other than that a little bit of paid google facebook the normal stuff you get leads here and there um the quality is up and down depending on the time of the year um but but the 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 fundamental ground level stuff that we mm-hmm. it's something that we've always been really good at and and, and keeps us it keeps us busy for sure so and, I, and, and go ahead. I was gonna say and because of and because of that uh you know the last two years in a row we've won roofing contractor of the year in our market through a local newspaper that does you know they they put the polls out for the community mm-hmm. and all to vote on and we've won that two years in a row and so you I, and just it, didn't you didn't just pay for ads and then get that right no, no, no. That it was, was actually that was, that was hard. That was actually building relationships and and doing it. a good job and standing behind your standing behind your your work as well. So, and and majority of all of that, when you trace it back, comes to those relationships. It comes down mm-hmm. to the relationships with the people within the community within the market. So, who sort of help you keep that brand name top of mind? That's where I get the most bang for my buck, for sure. Yeah. So. In terms of you know the the sales guys that you do have, and obviously you're still one of them as the owner. That's going to happen naturally, right? But the the guys that are in those intentional sales positions, it sounds like you've got a few things. One, you've got relationship building. Uh, two, you've got referral partners, right? And then three, you've got you know um, networking, right? So that you know and all of those kind of go hand in hand. It, it, it's more phases, right? But is this something that, you know, are you, when you hire a salesperson, are you getting an experienced salesperson already from the industry, kind of like a referral, or are you placing ads for salespeople? And then if you're doing that and you have these kind of three ways that they get their business, that is, it is very, 
you know, obviously you've got to be incredibly experienced. You've got to know how to build relationships. Then are you doing that intentionally in terms of like documentation when they come in, they're being trained on this or is it more like a one-on-one training that you do? It's for us, it's a little more like a one-on-one training, but we do have, you know, 30, 60, 90 is built out and, and that nice. type of stuff. So, uh, try to do i try to look at sales more like recruiting than i do hiring i don't just want to Mm -hmm. hire anybody and put them into that position i did that a few times in the past and it never worked out so now i just uh if we get into a situation where we where it looks like we're going to need a new sales rep somebody to move into that Mm -hmm. arena then i start recruiting and i start looking for the right for the right person, be it in a lot of times, a lot of that recruiting happens at those networking meetings and chamber events and that kind of stuff. Cause it's not rare that you meet someone there trying to grow something else and you get to talk and you realize that there's some room for the two of you to work together for them to come yeah. make a lot of money within your business, that type thing. So um, I don't really run ads or ask people who they know. I just mm-hmm. I sort of try to project that before it's needed and try to find the right person, plant a seed and sort of develop someone for that role as it's needed. Now that could be right or wrong. It could be why we're still only, uh, you know, a $3 million a year company. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's what's worked for me and it's what, it's what I feel comfortable with. I think you're going to get your best ROI from that. I mean, there's no denying that when you attract the candidate versus um, place an ad for the candidate, that's going to be completely different. And a lot of that attraction marketing happens when you're recruiting, when you're networking, when you're building relationships. And so as soon as you, if you even put it out in the universe and somebody knows you're hiring, all of a sudden you got three people in your messages, you know, because they're like, hey, I've seen you operating. I agree with what you're doing. I align with you. And I heard you were hired. I'm in, you know what I'm saying? And I'll and tell you, are... and I didn't mean to interrupt you, there's a little bit of a lag, but in the, in the, what I have also noticed is since I started podcasting and, and doing like this, coming on your show, there are a lot of people who hear this stuff and I'll get m- random messages from people who aren't, don't even live here, but they've been a salesman for a roofing company. And they've always thought Alabama had beautiful beaches. And if me and my family end up down there, could you use another sales rep? So then you, you start sort of building a portfolio of people who are interested. I've had people, I had a, a, just last week, a girl that I went to high school with reach out to me and say that her, her mother was, had fell ill. She was moving back here and she ran a uh, state farm. She was a uh, agent. Uh, she had a, a actual state farm location for quite a while yeah. and she had just sold it so she could move back home, but wondered if I needed anybody on staff that had high level experience with the, with the claims process and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So once I started putting myself out there, I started getting a lot of personal messages from people wanting to know if we were looking for uh, anybody that a role that they would fit into. So it's, yeah. it's really easy to attract the right people lately. Well, and then as you scale, you have a Rolodex down, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so, I don't think necessarily like scale always needs to be tied to hiring ads and turnover and, and all that. I mean, that's one of the things if you're starting from zero, a hundred percent has to happen. You know, if you don't have the network built, you don't have the relationships, the authority, you haven't been setting the example in, in your industry, then you have to do those kind of things and be ready for that influx of people and turnover. Um, but I think 
if you if you're okay with building a little slower and like in your case the right way where all right we're we're not going to step outside of this box we're not going to do door to door we're not going to do big you know ad campaigns and stuff like that we're going to do true relationship building and we're going to have better we're going to do better business because of that and you're willing to build slower i think uh i think that's going to show in your pnl i think that's going to show in your culture i think that's going to show in your reviews you know what i'm saying where which are some of the most important metrics you have for sure for sure and it's showing for us right now because leads are down and i've got a couple friends of mine who own roofing companies that i've gotten to know here locally have called me over the last couple of weeks and unfortunately two of them have had to close their business and it's just a tough time yeah. that we're in especially for us here along the coast in alabama because we're three years now removed almost this will be three years in september from hurricane sally and anybody who's ever worked in hurricane zones you know you get a bad one like that year usually around year three and four following it's almost dead because all the roofs have yeah. been replaced the last few that didn't get replaced you still did a little bit of work but this is sort of that dead period for us um which is why i'm glad i spent so much time early on on the relationships and the networking and all of that because we still have a a steady flow of, of projects that are keeping us busy we're we're, we're profitable we, we're not at risk of going out of business and we don't yeah because the paid stuff isn't working as well now as it was a year ago right your, your customer acquisition cost is going up so that pipeline's even more important now okay yeah. let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about um the fact that you were a former police officer um from what you told me you were living paycheck to paycheck and uh you were starting your businesses back then what changed for you to get to where you are now what kind of growth had to happen there man oh, the only thing that changed for me during that time is i had to get serious and the reason i say i had to get serious is because when i started this company it cost me a little over thirty thousand dollars to to open the doors day one and i didn't have that kind of money we had about fifteen thousand dollars cash and I was going to put the rest on credit cards. My father-in-law convinced me that that was a bad idea just in case things didn't work out. Just on the off chance that things didn't work out, he wanted me to have, um, he didn't want me and my wife to be faced with all that, I guess, interest and everything else that comes yeah. along with putting money on credit cards. Yeah. Um, so he loaned me $15,000 and, like, and said, don't wow. put it on credit cards, just pay me back. So the fact that he loaned me the money was the only thing that changed for me in this business other than th any other business. It's just when it got hard, couldn't quit because I owed him 15 grand. So I had no choice. And so yeah. I kept telling myself, I'm going to figure this out. I'll make the money back, pay her dead back. And then if we don't want to keep doing it, we can stop them. But guess what? By the time we did enough work to earn the money to pay him back, it wasn't as hard to get new business then because we were starting to figure some things out. So, and then, uh, then, it was the next big thing that had to happen was a was a mindset shift. Once I started to realize what was actually possible and believe in myself, I, then I kind of feel like we've become sort of unstoppable. We're not where we want to be, but I'm not. I don't. I don't fear any of that. I'm not scared of any of that now. And finally, I feel like I deserve everything we're we're working for. It took me a long time to get there too. Yeah. No, I can imagine. You know, we think of these things like debt like these uh, traumatic experiences that we go through or whatever the case is, we think of them 
as these just such these negative things but a lot of times they're the catalyst for what gets us to where we are now you know for sure and uh, we talked about that on your podcast in great detail about how because of my background and everything i had this chip on my shoulder and it taught me work ethic basically to where that was my driver you know mm-hmm. and so in your case it was not owing your father-in-law money you know and i've been there before too you know we had used to have to factor our payroll and uh, he was factoring some of our payroll for a little bit and then uh, all of a sudden you know we weren't able to pay it and i i owed him outright for like six weeks and i was just like miserable for six weeks until i got him paid back you know and so yeah. uh i can definitely relate to that for sure so you've had all this uh experience you know being a serial entrepreneur you've got a few businesses that are working really well right now and you know you're hosting the podcast you've decided to make the leap into coaching now you know why coaching and also you know why the home that you found at WinRate as well you know WinRate is a great place the reason i i chose WinRate just because of mike fadio he, mm-hmm. i saw him spoke at a, a at an event that i was paying to be at looking for a coach i was looking somewhere else for a coach mike happened to be one of the guest speakers and uh, I text my wife, this was just a couple of years ago. And I said, I think I found my guy. I, I just resonated with Mike. I like Mike. So I reached yeah. out to him after the event. I, I saw him sitting outside and I said, hey, man, have you ever done any business coaching? And he laughed. And, he said, <laughs> he said, That's and I laugh because I know Mike. <laughs> yeah, he said that he, his laugh was just like that. I didn't know him. Yeah. I didn't realize that there were people who followed him on YouTube and all that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know who he was. It was my first time seeing him. And so I asked him if he did any business coaching and he laughed and said, well, that's what I do. And so I hired him and we worked together for a year and a half. And um, I had lost a great deal of money before me and Mike started working together because I didn't know how to be a business owner. And uh, once we started working together and I started figuring all that stuff out, uh, you know, just staying on as a as a paid client. And then coming into this year, he reached out to me and asked me if I would like to take on a few clients and help people the same way he had helped me a couple of years ago. And I knew I couldn't have done it without him. So I said, absolutely. If there's a chance I can be that help for someone, I would love to do that. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, when I think about what I'm doing now, you know, and I'm consulting in a specific niche, I'm not really business consulting or business coaching, right? But it happens all the time. You're in these mastermind groups, you're on these calls and you end up pouring into someone all of a sudden because you're you've gone deep on a certain strategy or a certain uh thing that's worked for your business and um you realize oh i was just coaching you know you kind of look back at it and you realize that hey i had and, and the way i look at it is a ladder everybody looks at it as like you've got the person at the top and and now you know they're validated and you know there's no imposter syndrome and they should be coaching right but you've got all these ladders in between you know what i'm saying and you can look at them as gross dollar amounts. You can look at them as um, kind of amount of experience. You can look at them as, you know, your IQ, you know, but there's a bunch of ladders in there that if you're even just one rug, one rung above somebody, you know, there is a justification in you coaching them, you know, and it may not always be for money, you know, but when you're in a system like Mike's, you know the system inside and out. You've been in it for what three years now? It sounds like, or oh, over two years. Yeah. yeah, over two years. Like you know how to execute that system, and as long as you're executing within that, um, within that model, I think 
you can kind of compress time, you can compress the experiences and you can compress any learning curve your your client has now. Yeah, and, and a good thing about WinRate Consulting is the amount of coaches that they have and the amount of people that are on that staff that have built big business and coach people into very big businesses, um, which is important to factor in as well and having access to that entire team of people. Because the things where I did feel a little insecure, like maybe I shouldn't be coaching people, a lot of that's imposter syndrome. Some of it's most likely valid. I think we all have areas where we're weak. And if you're yeah. going to be a coach, you don't like knowing you have weak areas, right? So going into it, I felt like there were some areas I was probably weak and, and didn't belong to be on the team. But at the same time, I knew I had access to nine other amazing human mm -hmm. beings that could 100% get any question that a client of mine ever had answered. I felt comfortable doing the role within the organization because yeah. I knew ultimately the team would not let someone fail. And they certainly wouldn't let me fail as a, as a coach. And uh, ironically, nothing has come up all year that I didn't have experience with or that I couldn't help right. somebody through. So in, in taking that leap, thinking I wasn't ready, I found out there's really not saying I'm the, I'm the best out there, but there's nothing right. to be fearful of everybody's problems in business. Typically they're dealing with some of the same stuff that you're dealing with. And a lot of times mm -hmm. they're not, you're not giving someone the answer to a problem other than a different set of eyes and a different right. perspective. And, and once I started to understand that, I was like, man, I, I have a lot more experience than I'm giving myself credit for. And plus I have a great team of people who won't let me fail. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's different parts to coaching, but I think, you know, I would say like 20% is give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you actually care about your client. Another 20% is maybe accountability. Another 20% is uh, experience, you know, and then 20% is knowledge and then so on and so forth. I mean, it's just a mix of all these things, but experience in, in that particular problem is, is not everything, you know? And, and for me, what I've noticed is, you know, when I'm in my zone of genius, sure, it's all experience. It's all, you know, coming from a place of uh, application, but a lot of times I'm, I'm coming from a place of problem solving, you know, mm -hmm. where it's like, you have a problem. I know I've seen these other three things work because the groups I'm in or the businesses I've worked with in the past or whatever the case is, even if it's outside of my scope, I'll still try and fill those voids and bring more value to my client outside of just the scope of work that we're working on. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it really is a lot of it is about giving a shit, you know, yeah. and the accountability piece. I feel like if you have those two things, you've got 80% of coaching covered, you know, because that's you what, do. that's what and I'm really showing up for. I mean, and I'll tell you, there are some people who are really successful in business that I have met that aren't that good at problem oh, yeah. solving. And then there are some people that I have met that are excellent in business because uh -huh. they're only good at problem solving. Yeah. You know, like they, they're, amazing problem solvers. So what I have learned is if I'm going to hire a coach, I like for it to be somebody who thinks outside of the box and is really good at solving problems. Anyway, that's what makes most really good entrepreneurs, in my opinion, really good entrepreneurs. So yeah. if you looking for somebody to coach, you find somebody who does think different than you, who does yeah. think outside of the box, because that's how, in my opinion, some of the biggest 
advances we've made in business have been we've done some things a little unorthodox, a little outside of the box. Look at yeah. for a different way to attack something, a different angle, a different way to get ahead. So uh, I don't I don't necessarily believe that. I would say the experience, like I don't think you need to go look for a, a business coach who's on the business for 20 years. If you can find someone who built an incredibly successful business in five years by, by putting out a ton of fires and solving problems, that may be a good person to reach out to, yeah. um, to hire, you know? So I don't, I don't think when it comes to finding a coach or hiring a coach or being a coach that there's any right or wrong way or that there's any, that the thing is I see a lot of these coaches and I hate to even say coach and call myself a coach because I've built sort of a negative uh, I guess picture of what that is in my mind, but there are a lot of, not I, for the, of I would say it's not negative for the people that get it and your yeah. clients, your prospective clients, your avatar for that sure. you're after, they get for it. Sure. But what I see yeah. is a lot of people who are, are, are business coaches who are out there talking bad about this coach and this guy doesn't do this. This guy never even owned the business. And, you know, and I start to look at all that stuff that's going on and I yeah. get to think, well, if he never owned the business, what's his coaching track record look like? What what kind of success have his clients had? So if somebody's been coaching for 10 years, but they've never owned the business, that coaching organization, even if it's just him, that is a business. Mm -hmm. How successful is he? How successful has he been at making his clients successful? I'm just saying just because somebody never owned the business, that doesn't disqualify them as being someone capable of giving you advice and this is what i try to tell everybody all the time a lot of people will go to like an uncle when they first open a business <laughs> yeah. hey i'm thinking about doing this and he's like that'll never work and they're like damn i didn't think about that so they just walk away and never even <laughs> pursue that so there are yeah. people who you would think are not qualified to give advice that are and then you're probably going to take a lot of advice from people who aren't qualified to give it so I just, when it comes to coaching or, or mentors or any of that, just look at what somebody's done, what they've accomplished. And if you feel comfortable, all you're doing is hiring another set of eyes, a different perspective mm -hmm. in your business. Hopefully see something that you miss, catch it before you do, or help you correct the ship if you go off course a little bit. And a lot of times that happens. These Some of these coaches out there may have never owned a business, but they've coached so many clients that they got really good at helping people, for example, if it's in home services, solving those problems that don't disqualify yeah. this guy because he didn't own a business, he may have helped 20 people through this exact problem. And he knows mm. how to get you there quicker than anybody else. And he knows that because he's helped 15 people do it, not yeah. because he had a business and may or may not have experienced it himself. Which in my mind actually qualifies you more. Because the, so thing, the thing, the thing successful business owners have a hard time doing is taking themselves out of the situation and, and it, and it happens all the time. Like I'm working with a client right now and his favorite thing to say is we shouldn't have to create an SOP. We shouldn't have to create training. They should just know. <laughs> and I laugh every time I hear it and he's half being sarcastic when he says it, but he knows what he's realizing now. And what I'm trying to help him understand is he's a brilliant salesperson and he's a, he's brilliant with numbers. And these are two things that don't exist in an SOP in his business or a script or uh, a sales program or any of that stuff. And I'm like, you can't just pull up somebody next to you and expect them to absorb everything that you're good at. You know what I mean? That's not how it works, right? right. 
And so that happens a lot with, you know, those very successful business owners that you talk about. Well, they're very successful because they have these amazing talents that they haven't been able to, they hit the ceiling because they haven't been able to scale those talents. You know, you can't scale talent, but what you can do is systemize it, create an SOP, create a process or whatever the case is, and then have your team execute on that. And maybe they'll do it 50, 60% as good as you can. Doesn't mean you go and find new people. That means you just have to operate at a different conversion rate now, you know? And so before I get on that tangent, I'll just come back to you and ask you, all right, so you've got your businesses rolling, you know what I'm saying? And uh, you got the podcast going, you're making an impact there now. Um, what else besides uh, coaching are you excited about right now? What's going on in your life or in your business that you're incredibly excited about? Man, I'll, I'll tell you, we have a big family. Me and my wife have five kids. We have a four-year-old son who is autistic and something about the water sort of brings out the best in him. He opens up a lot. So mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time on the water, uh, so much so that me and my 14-year-old son, we just got a couple metal detectors. We've been going to the beach a lot in the afternoon and finding coins and rings and that kind of stuff. So That's awesome. uh, I'm having a lot of fun doing that with him. He's staying out of trouble. And then me and my oldest son golf quite a bit and see, and, and this is something I've done a lot with my roofing company too, that it, 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 it didn't necessarily help me with sales, but it's helped me with culture. So we have a local golf course and I, I just did a gutter job for them two weeks ago. And mm -hmm. instead of charging them for it, it was the job cost me, my actual cost to do it was about $3,500, but I, mm -hmm. I, I bartered, I swapped with them for $16,000 worth of corporate golf membership Ooh. there for two years. So me, <laughs> my production manager, my operations manager, my sons, my wife, I got us all on a corporate membership at the golf course. So nice. it, it's our, our unlimited golf, unlimited carts, unlimited range ball, all that, even some food credits in the clubhouse. Right. So nice. I bartered that and swapped with that so I could use it to build culture. But because of that, that's part of what we have going on right now that we're having a lot of fun doing. We're playing a lot more golf than we used to because we're members at the country club now. <laughs> I never, I never thought I'd that's say, fantastic, man. Never that's 12,000. It's a $12,500 markup. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's right. it was fantastic. Good. It was good. Absolutely. And then the, the other business you've spoke on here about a couple of times, Scoop of Sunshine. Mm -hmm. The guy, I went to a house, and after Hurricane Sally, the guy didn't have enough money to pay for the roof, and he had a, a horrible insurance policy, ACV policy, mm -hmm. and um, I worked him out a deal on that roof and traded him for all the ice cream equipment he had in his garage, and a what? month later, I had that business open. That business alone netted us about 50000 this summer in a 90-day period, so I traded the roof. Me. It cost me about nine grand for that, so I do a lot of People don't look at that as sales, but it really is, in my opinion. I, if I go out and I see something that I can barter, if I own the business, you can pay me however you want. So why would I yeah. not take corporate memberships and do a small gutter job? Why would I not take the opportunity to open a whole, I have a whole nother family owned business that my teenage mm -hmm. kids run during the summer that makes us a lot of money off of one roof. So um, I, I think outside of the box and help clients hire me as well if you will absolutely i think that's that's an evolution of sales is bartering you know what i'm saying and <laughs> and you create so much opportunity and 
in your case, benefits culture from being able to do that. That's fantastic. All right, brother. Last question that I got. And um, legacy means a lot of different things to a lot of people. You know, so my last question is, what legacy do you want to leave behind? Man, that's a that's a tough one for me. I just want people. If my name comes up after I'm long gone, I want people just to remember who I was and and what I stood for. And I was somebody that could be trusted. I was somebody honest um, more than anything. I spent over a decade in law enforcement trying to build that legacy and uh, ended up owning a roofing company. And so now we do our best to give back to the community. I do I do my best to, to donate to those police departments that I used to work with or shop with a cop at Christmas, that type of stuff. I just want to be somebody who's remembered for doing something good, for leaving the world a little better than I found it. That's that's my end goal. I love it, brother. And, I, you know, you can always measure sincerity by the way that you do business. You know what I'm saying? And the way that you're talking about doing business through relationships, through referral partners, basically doing business on your reputation versus doing business on a transaction that you created through advertising or something like that, I think that really says that you're executing what you're talking about right now. So I have no doubt in my mind that you will leave that kind of legacy. Yeah, absolutely, man. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show, giving us a bunch of value in roofing and in kind of your backstory and everything. And then of course, um, in that legacy that you want to leave behind as well as recruiting and all that good stuff. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.